0: You know, we're really not of this world nor are we of this age. We're spiritual beings clothed in flesh whose purpose on the earth is to represent God. The world by contrast is comprised of consumers, people who, hope to live their best lives now. So our ways are meant to disclose the ways of God to the world. It's the only reason that we have been designated as light, we are the light of the world. It is the manner in which we love one another, Jesus said in John 17, by which the world understands that God loves them even as He has loved Christ. So we're not imitators of the pattern of this world nor do we live our lives according to the pattern of this world. We reject the pattern of this world even as we are conformed to Christ and nowhere is this more apparent than In the matter of empowerment through submission. We talked about that in the last last broadcast. It, It seems like a contradiction in terms that we would be empowered by being submitted. The world says, no, no. I'm empowered by being able to dominate. You know, if I have millions of Twitter followers, I'm an influencer. If I have political power, I may control the reins of government and tell people what they're going to do. That's the world. If I can kill enough people to to terrorize a nation, I, I'm the ruler. If I can align myself with with a, a, a group of other people who think like I do, we could capture the most populous nations on the face of the earth and compel them to do our will. I mean, these are political philosophies, be they disguised as um, d- democracy or communism or uh, socialism, the principle is in all of them, is to rule by either by consensus or by the terror that um, that exalts a minority view to that of a hegemonic view, where people are afraid for their lives, so they do what you say, and of course you enforce that by controlling the military and. Having a spy apparatus in place. And so you see it all that nobody's even trying to disguise these models anymore. You know, we keep hoping that certain nations would behave uh, according to international norms and conventions. And they say they do, but they don't. They know that they don't, and the rest of the world knows that they don't. And that's why that's why we, you can't trust what comes out of governments, wherever the governments are in the world today. So this is not our path as believers. We have power that is not our own. We are the exousia of God's dunamis, we are the executive functioning of God's original power. Uh, he, is, he possesses plenary power and He's granted delegations of this power through the Holy Spirit to empower us but not to live our best lives now. I cannot, I cannot make the point more strenuously than I have, what an absolute bit of nonsense, how foolish, how ungodly, this notion is, and yet how popular! And it just shows how secularized the church is, how like the world the church is when it buys into living your best life now. It's not about your best anything, it's about the presentation of who He is. That's actually your best life because that has relevance, that has meaning, that has purpose, but you're not in control of it and you can't talk God into your view of it. Here's Paul on the subject. He he was talking about-this is 2 Corinthians 12- and he was talking about how he knew a man 14 years ago, whether he was in the body or out of the body, he couldn't couldn't say, but he said, um, that man was caught up to the third heavens, he was speaking of himself, and he had enormous revelation And he said, Concerning this revelation then there was given to him a thorn in his flesh, a minister of Satan, to keep him from being self-sufficient, to keep him from thinking that what he received from the Lord would make him independent of God, self-sufficient. And so he said, here's... uh, he said concerning that he asked for release from this thorn in his flesh and God told him, "'My strength is made perfect in weakness.' God said, I'm not going to do that, three times- Paul was pretty insistent- and three times God answered him and said, "'My strength is made perfect in weakness.' Now notice he doesn't say, My strength is made perfect in your weakness, although that is implied, but it reaches beyond Paul, that's the point. Whenever anyone is weak before God, it leaves room for, it opens the door for the power of God to come through that person who does not object by the assertion of His strength, His power to the contrary, that person does not object, so the power of God flows through. You know where I'm going with this, I'm going to talk about the role of a wife as representational of the bride of Christ whose power is in her submission to Christ. This isn't about, as I said, this isn't about Tarzan and Jane, This isn't about man being superior to woman, this is about a specific focus upon empowerment to represent God. If that is not our purpose for living, we're not of Christ, we're not the body of Christ. Then we're free to try and dominate whomever we might for whatever purpose we wish to do so, in our quest for our best life now. And that can range from uh, what the psychologists call passive-aggressive all the way to militaristic domination in the worst possible ways like Adolf Hitler or Mussolini or or, uh, 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 Lenin, uh, Karl Marx, uh, whoever whoever advocates the suppression, Fidel Castro in his day, uh, the chairman of the the Chinese Communist Party, um, Putin, whomever in our time, whether it's a a dictator in some um, republic in Africa or or Latin America uh, who, who is obscure but cruel to ones who who have to be a little more uh, circumspect in the way they exert cru- cruelty over the populations because they're cameras uh, and cell phone videos of, uh, the, of their activities. One or the other, it's the same, it's the same. There are two forms of the exertion of power. One is to gain it, control it, seize it, wield it, to the ends that you think uh, should be achieved and the other is to submit to the authority of Christ. Submit to the authority of Christ. So Paul said, God told him, "...My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore most gladly," he said, this is from 2 Corinthians 12 verse, verse 9, Most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities, in the ways that I'm weak, in the ways that I'm not strong, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecution I take pleasure in these things in distress for Christ's sake, because, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because it is His flow through of my person, my circumstances with that flow being uninterrupted by my assertion of any measure of my strength. Now Paul was about as strong a man as there was in his day and as there has been in history. But he knows how to speak about authority because he understood his place in the divine order of authority, that it was not his authority, but rather the authority of the one who sent him. You know, we talk about commissions, like the Great Commission but we don't recognize that commissions function in our sphere because the One who sent us has integrity to to enforce their will within the spheres to which we have been sent. That's delegated authority. All authority belongs to Christ In heaven and on earth. So, even governments that assert, and individuals who assert authorities apart from Christ, ultimately are subject to Him. He lets them function for purposes that are varied, but the reality is that they're they're subject to His authority always and may be canceled at any time. But theirs is not a representation of the kingdom of God. There's a representation of their rebellion against divine authority. Now, when we submit to the authority of the one who has authority, then we are said to be clothed, robed, invested. The word vest comes from the word vestment, which means clothing. Adam and Eve, when they walked in purity before God, were clothed in the light of God's glory. When they rejected His authority, they were naked, meaning that they were not clothed with His authority, they were in creation having lost their authority. And so they cobbled together an appearance of authority in the form of fig leaves, fig leaves, which is about as unsubstantial a form of authority as they may be. Fig leaves being by definition cut off from fig trees are dead garments, of their own creating. God clothed them in the promise of Christ when He gave them the skin of sacrifice. I'm I'm of the view that the skins with which they were clothed were the skins of lambs, type and shadow of Christ. It certainly has some substance and traction in the Scriptures when Abel offered a lamb for his sacrifice. But I I don't want to go any further. Now, the motif of clothing plays a very significant role in defining authority and so Paul goes back to that picture in 1 Corinthians the 11th chapter. Like the general subject matter of marriage, divorce, and remarriage, this has been, this that I'm about to share about a woman and a man and covering as it relates to Christ, has been subject to religious folly. One of the things I find it hard to stomach. Is the singular singularity with which religious teaching and religious minds select scripture without understanding. So their groups like they call themselves names like holiness churches. So, um, and they emphasize the they emphasize religious appearing, religious practice, religious apparel, and the rest of it. You know, these can hardly be said to be representations of God by the widest stretch of one's imagination. These things appeal to children, unlearned in the scriptures, and virtually completely ignorant of the ways of God. I have neither the stomach nor the patience for this kind of folly. And I encourage you, this is the time when God would have us throw off the yoke of this folly which produces nothing except bondage, religious bondage in the form of new ways of legally entrapping people. So here, He says this, But I want you to know, this is 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. But I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. Okay, are are we there? The head of every man is Christ. The term head is the word kafale. KEPHALE and uh, it's the latin it's related the, the latin term or it's related to the word capto K A P T O we get the latin word caput from it or capital um, so we talk about to decapitate to cut the head off and when it's when it when it says the head of every man is Christ He's not talking about Jesus' head being put on your body. That's silly. He's talking about authority. The authority that governs a body in the human body, 1 Corinthians 12 had already, or will, will subsequently address this if there's any doubt about it. So the next chapter over from where we are, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 12, says, now Christ is the head of the body and that body is a spiritual body. So there's no question, there can be no question that He's talking about the authority in the kingdom of God. The the self-same authority that Jesus claimed when He said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth because it's been given to me and the very self-same authority that Paul is speaking to when he says, "...when I am weak then I am strong," because of the working of His authority where my authority used to substitute. When I learn to submit to His authority, then I am strong beyond anything I'm capable of on my own. That's the same principle. So the reference here to head is a reference to authority, to authority. So, when it says, for the head of every man is Christ, he's speaking to the church, in which he says, in the first verse of this passage, imitate me just as also I imitate Christ. All right? Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church. The mystery of the body and the head, if you like. And and the principle being, that the body is empowered by the head because the head has been granted all authority in creation, in heaven and on earth. All right. So when He says, and this is not the world, this, this cannot be the authority constituted from the consent of the governed. Hmm? Because there the authority comes from the governed. Now indeed the governed has no authority except the power of agreement and they do that because God permits it, not because they actually have authority, because He dismisses both kings and kingdoms in His turn. If they possessed intrinsic authority, they would endure as long as the earth endures, but they do not, they do not. There is no kingdom as mighty as they might have been. They eventually crumble into the dust because they simply serve the purposes of God in the coming forth of the original intent. When they've served their purposes, they're discarded. I remember the English poet um, on the 50th anniversary of uh, Queen Victoria's reign, the poet laureate of England, uh, Rudyard Kipling, had a, a, a psalm called, LESS WE FORGET, LESS WE FORGET and it says, uh, the the captains and the kings depart, Uh, empires crumble, he says. Uh, uh, God of of our fathers known of old, Lord of our far flung battle lines, between whose awful hand we hold dominion over palm and pine, Lord God of hosts be with us yet lest we forget lest we forget, at the height of Victorian England, which is to say in the golden age of English Empire, this prophetic psalm prophesied the demise of the British Empire. At a time when it was said, the sun never set on the British Empire, today there is no British Empire on which for the sun to set. It is run by, well you know what the royalty looks like today. English royalty, that is. So he said, uh, uh, so all kingdoms and all kings and all empires serve at the behest of the great king, the one who has all authority in creation, in heaven and on earth. So when he said the head of every man is Christ, he's saying every man in Christ is subject to Christ. We've already seen that if Christ is the head and you are submitted to that head, then when you are weak, you are the strongest. And then he said, the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Now can it be any plainer than that? Is he talking about equality here? No, equality has no place in this form of empowerment. This is delegated authority and it means that when you submit to the authority that has been placed over you, you're empowered by it, you're not not diminished by it, you're not hollowed out by it. If the power, if the authority to which you are subject hollows you out, brutalizes you, abuses you, what is certain is this is not the kingdom of God, this is not the authority of Christ, this works in contravention of the authority of Christ. Now listen to me, because if what people resist is unrighteous authority. What I'm speaking about is authority constituted for the benefit of the one who is under authority. Now I don't expect secular minds, men and women, today to accept this at all. In their folly, in their rebellious folly, whether they know it or they don't, they're seeking to establish a way of going forward based on their ability to control their circumstances. Good luck, good luck, it's not going to happen. That's why there's such a crisis of abuse of every kind, that is why there's such a crisis of mental illness. Even at the peak of the power of some, they falter because of the nagging doubt that they are actually able to execute on the basis of the authority they have. So the idea that um, a woman should not submit to a man in the context of marriage, again, that this is not possible, this is not sustainable in a secular world view. This is only sustainable within the context of the rule of Christ, where the man is a subject to Christ as the woman is a subject uh, uh, to the man, where Christ is subject to God in the fear of the Lord. So the sign that one is subject to the authority of another. Uh, the man in, in creation, the man in creation takes on the role of Christ. And the woman in creation takes on the role of the bride of Christ. Now, the man, when he prays and prophesies, does not have his head covered because for man to have his head covered when he's represent- he representing Christ is a sign of dishonor, dishonor. Because God established an unveiled representation of himself in creation in the person of Christ. That's why the man doesn't have a covering on his head. He's representational of Christ, Christ is God unveiled. Man is meant to be the unveiling of Christ in his role as husband. The woman, you notice it doesn't say the woman cannot, pray and cannot prophesy. She can do the same thing as the man, you notice that? Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. Every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. So she may pray, she may prophesy, but covered, why? Because she is the mystery of how we are covered by Christ. We are the way Christ is to be unveiled in a continuing unveiling. The bride of Christ is not yet, listen to me, the bride of Christ is not yet fully Christ unveiled. She has not come to maturity yet, but in the day when She does, She will be revealed with Him. He has already been revealed, He came unto His own, His own did not receive Him, but he's He's been revealed. The fullness of the Godhead was here with us in bodily form and so in creation, The uncovered man is the reminder that Christ has already been unveiled, that God has been fully unveiled in Christ. The covered woman tells us that the promise of the unveiling is yet to be completely fulfilled, that's the mystery. It's not about a piece of cloth on or over your head And for the Jew who insists on praying with his head covered, Christ is still unveiled to him. So much for Messianic Judaism that emphasizes covering which was the promise of Christ coming, not the reality that He has come and has unveiled the Father to us. How are we to know the Father unveiled? Christ, how are we to see Christ in His unveiled state for He has already been unveiled in the man who acts like Christ? How are we to be clothed in the authority of Christ? What is the symbol that we are clothed in the authority of Christ? The woman who prays and prophesies covered, now is that a piece of cloth? It goes on to say her hair is given to her as a covering. All of this speaks to an attitude of submission as opposed to whether it's cloth on your head or the length of your hair as a woman. Simple, isn't it? but you have to begin with the right premise. The right premise is the power of submission by which the woman then, representative of Christ, has all the authority of Christ and we'll we'll speak a little bit more about that when it comes to the why of it. As was seen in the Garden of Eden, She's in the presence of angels, she's in the presence of the enemy and she has been made vulnerable by being submitted to the man. So like the man has to be submitted to Christ, the woman needs to be submitted to the authority that was put in creation to protect her. The promise was given that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. Christ crushes the head of the serpent. Man is the representational authority of that which has the power to crush the serpent. The woman under the rule of the man misstep on the head of the serpent with impunity. I'm Sam Solon. we'll continue to unpack this. Until then, see you.